This is a True Foundations podcast. Real time, real life, real answers. So here we go to the messenger of the church in Thyatira right. The Son of God, the one whose eyes are like fiery flame and whose feet are like fine bronze, says, I know your works, your love, faithfulness, service, and endurance. Your last works are greater than the first, but I have this against you. You tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, and teaches and deceives my slaves to commit sexual immorality and to eat meat sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she does not want to repent of her sexual immorality. Look, I will throw her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of her practices. I will kill her children with a plague. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who examines minds and hearts. And I will give to each of you according to your works. I say to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who haven't known the deep things of Satan, as they say, I do not put any other burden on you. But hold on to what you have until I come. The victor and the one who keeps my works to the end, I will give him authority over the nations. And he will shepherd them with an iron scepter. He will shatter them like pottery. Just as I have received this from my father, I will also give him the morning star. Anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the only church in the seven churches where the Son of God is actually mentioned. And I think the reason for that, this is the central one, uh, and it speaks loudly to the whole. It speaks to the whole church, but it speaks particularly to Thyatira. So the Son of God, which of course, as we know, is the risen and ascended Christ, none other than the Word who became flesh, Jesus, God reaching out into fallen mankind. He is the one who makes judgment. Now judgment, we've got to understand judgment because we all say, oh, that's a bad deal, judgment. It might be. But judgment goes two ways, doesn't it? It says yes or no. It says you're guilty or you're forgiven. Uh, it says you're doing time or you're free. It says you did it. No, he didn't. So judgment is justice. It is right, and it's an expression of the goodness of God. We're all accountable. We did it or we didn't. This is how we lived. Uh, was it good? Was it indifferent? Was it evil? So judgment is proper. In fact, society could not exist without at least some semblance of justice. Often we look at society and think, is there any justice here? Well, there's a little bit. There is some accountability. And even that reflects that God is good, that he is a just God. But it goes astray, doesn't it? So the Son of God, he speaks. And his first words are, you're doing well. In fact, you're a work in progress, but you're on the way up. That's good, isn't it? And if you remember, what we're seeking to do is measure ourselves against 
We are not Thyatira. We're nothing like Thyatira. But we need to measure ourselves against all of these churches to see what God has to say to us. Now, there was a specific there, uh, and in the letter, uh, John calls this this woman that's behind the scenes has a lot of influence. He calls her Jezebel. That's because there's a reference in the Old Testament. He doesn't name her by name. Everybody knows who it is. Uh, she was that wicked, wicked queen standing behind Ahab who was all about power. This is about power. It's about seeking wrong authority. This is what this is about. And of course, in this situation, there was some false teaching. That's always there. That's the norm. False teaching, but in particular, because it's a pagan world, it led to sexual immorality. It's an old story, but it continues. Not all heresy, not all false teaching leads to sexual immorality, but the reference to it is more than sexual immorality. It's about it's it's about false religion, the heresy that takes people away from the truth of the gospel and leads them down the wrong route which will trap them. And so the lifestyle and the practices in a pagan world, that's the first thing people did. In our world, it's kind of getting a bit like that, isn't it? In the church. Is the church any different from the world at large? Sadly, not often. And this is the perpetual message of the seven churches. Is It's not very often that God's people get it right and are faithful uh, to the core of the values and the truth of the gospel. It's not often. It's, it's troubling. And of course... Uh, God was speaking to this church in particular. A judgment was coming to this woman uh, and to her followers. And the specifics of that, the sickness and and even death, it's an outworking. It's what you would call consequential judgment for absolutely violent wrong behavior. That's a principle that's at large everywhere. You behave really badly. (laughs) Unite might not be called to account by the authorities, but somewhere along the line, never mind on the day of the Lord, somewhere along the line, you pay a price for it. And so this is all there. It's a very, very strong warning. Judgment is coming unless. Now, there's a key word here, and this is the word that we need to seriously think about. Because I want us to to move back from Thyatira as the church and not focus on this. This is what happened in the day. It was their problem, their issue. They needed to deal with it, put it away, repent from it, so that they could move forward and be the people that God had always intended them to be. But we've got to get into that and see what this, this real message is to the churches, the church of today. Now, just a word on what was the church like in in these days. This is the end of the first century. They would not even have a small building like this in most cases. They certainly wouldn't have some massive uh, cathedral. They wouldn't have anything like that. Uh, And in reality, the churches in a a city, they would meet in, in different groups of people. 
it's the only way that they could do it. The coming together of the large congregations in one building came somewhat later. And not that there's anything against that, it makes a lot of sense. But they would be scattered around the city, but they would be led by the same leadership and they would be taught the same message, except that sometimes they weren't. You see, this is the problem. And the word that we're thinking about is tolerate. It's something that we have to seriously consider. When you look at history, if you know anything about the history of the church, and when you look at the present day, you see the same kind of thing. So what tends to happen is not the only thing that happens, but this is a major, major issue. The tendency is, so a church is established, or the church is established in the local sense. It's absolutely brand new. There's nothing that everything else is, is pagan or are just don't even believe in God or has no sense or understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then the word of God comes and some people respond. This is the truth. We acknowledge that Jesus is the saviour of the world. We acknowledge he's the son of God. Uh, they did not have the complex ideas of um, what God looks like that we have today. They were, they were simpler, but actually more accurate. So they heard, they gathered together, and they were led by men appointed by God. That's how it was. But see how quickly things go. This is written about AD 96. It's how long after is it that Jesus himself walked this earth? maybe 60 years. That's not a long time, is it? You might think it is, but I know there's a lot of folks who don't think it is. I don't think it is either. And, and so, how quickly do things change in life? It's one of the things that, that I think for all of us, we just can't quite get a handle on how quickly has society changed. It can change very, very quickly. The church is not exempt from that. We've got to understand this. We've got to understand what's really going on. What should our expectation be? Now, our expectation is not the same as our hope. So when Jesus came, he brought hope for the whole world. When the letters are written to the seven churches, the hope was the same. Everybody should be on the same page. We should be overcoming. Overcoming what the world brings against people at large, God's people. But what is our real expectation? And somehow you have to live in the tension of that. It's not an easy one. I know we, we've all been troubled by um, this division in the church. It's not new. This is, it's way back in this day, this division. We, we've all been troubled by that. We, we've all been troubled by what the church accepts in terms of its teaching and its behavior, because this is about teaching and behavior. We, we get troubled by that. It's always been around. It shouldn't be. Let's make it absolutely clear. It shouldn't be, but it is. Our hope, our dream, if you like, I think it's good to dream about something, and to, to desire something, desire the absolute best, and never ever leave that desire. So you have that, but that's the way you wished it was. 
but you don't live in that reality. And so we have to face it for what it is. The big issue, and I think it's, it's always been the biggest issue, is there are those, like this Jezebel, there are those who have always sought power for themselves, and they have no right to it. Not only do they want the power, they want it to be established as authority, because that's a bit different, isn't it? It's one thing having some power, but if you have authority, then you have the right to be heard. That's what this woman wanted. So she gathered a following. And that's been the history of the church. I don't care what it is. There is no doubt about it. There have been situations where some error and some practice has grown up and the church has been ruined by it. And and there's a there's a group of people and I think we can't have this. We want what's right, and so they come out. Uh, and okay, so that's division, is it? I'm not sure whether it's division in the way that we understand it. I understand that. That's proper. You know, how, how can you stay in a situation where there is ungodly authority, there is abuse of power, and it doesn't honour the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can you stay in that? So I understand that. It should never be necessary, but unfortunately, there it is. And I think that most situations are because of the desire of somebody somewhere who wants authority that they are not entitled to so that they can exercise power over others and gain a following. That is the history of the church. It's the church today, and it's sad. Is it any wonder the the world looks on at the church? What does it see? Chaos, injustice, stuff that's being taught, and some of it is obviously absolute nonsense. And and the honest person that, that thinks about things... They look at that and say, I can't be part of that. This is is ridiculous. How can I be part of that? None of this is comforting, but it's reality. Most of us have been in situations where there's been something taught or some behavior that has impacted others negatively. And, And sometimes it costs you. It's not rare. It's the norm. It's not the way it should be. The letter to the seven churches shows us that Thyatira more than any other. So here's the the problem and here's the issue. So we expect that kind of thing to happen. We expect that at some point somebody's going to have a go. We expect that that somewhere along the line some of the values of the world out there, no matter how perverse they are, there'll be somebody somewhere I'll try and uh, soft soap it all uh, and well you know we just got to accept everybody as they are and uh, you know how that goes but what we have to understand is this the true church of Jesus Christ has a totally open door for everyone to come whoever they are or whatever their background whatever it is they've done but when they come the gospel says you need to change Now, the order of the day that we live in is you don't need to change anymore. This is no different from this Jezebel kind of idea who's who's 
hand in league with, with all of these corrupt um, societies out there, the guilds, the pagan values. And so what happens is to accommodate the behavior, the teaching has to change. That's what's happening in the church of life today. And this is what God has to say about it, about them. He sees what they do that is good and because he is just, he commends it. Of course he does. But he says, this is your big problem. It's the problem of this day as it was then. You have tolerated. Now, toleration is not the same as forbearance. It's different. When you have forbearance, you are aware of weakness and the journey that people are on. See, what, what happens, and this is, this is very, very common, is, well, you know, no church is perfect. Um, you just have to accept it for what it is. Well, it's a completely wrong statement. It's not about a church being perfect. It never was. But it is about a people who are faithful for what, to what God says and behaving the way that he expects. That's different. And, and what it does is it opens the way for somebody to be work in progress, like we all are. There's no, there's no sense in talking about, oh, well, you know, the church, we're not perfect. We know that. It's not about that. That's not the issue. The issue is it's good. Somebody's on the journey. They've got some baggage, but they need to deal with it. Forbearance helps them along the way. It doesn't say it's okay to continue like that. It says the gospel brings freedom. Let's embrace it. Let's get on the journey. Let's do what we need to do. Tolerance says it doesn't matter. Well, it does. And people have been turned off church because of tolerance and bad behavior that has never, ever been brought to account. There's no reason for it. There's no, there's, it's not the gospel. It's not the church. And that's difficult because what we don't want to do is go down that route of being so pessimistic about everything that it's miserable. That's no use to anybody, is it? We need to maintain that sense of this is what is possible. Let us embrace that. Let's go on that journey. That's why there's some commendation in here. We looked at the church at Smyrna. God was pleased with them. They were all at different stages in their Christian war. He didn't say, you are perfect. But he commended them for their faithfulness, their desire, their unwillingness to tolerate anything that was either untrue or ungodly in his life. And that is how we must be. Now, what we see as well in this is God who is merciful. If anyone was the, per the worst possible person that you could pinpoint in these letters, it would have been Jezebel. I've given you time. I've, I've held off on judgment. Why? So that you can repent. So that you can put it all away, be set free, and walk the walk of truth. That's the mercy of God. But as we know, mercy has a sell-by date. 
Mercy is not forever. It's not intended to be. It's to, to help the people, to lead people into that path of repentance so that they can be free and embrace the fullness of God's way. So what is the real church? What's the true church? It's not what we see out there. It's definitely not any denomination. It isn't even necessary. It's some local congregation of people that don't belong to a denomination. It isn't necessarily that. The true church, and sadly, the nature of things is that truth uh, puts a boundary on how many will come. Because the reality is, most won't. The desire is all would come. And we must hold to that because this hope in it, it's what God has done that we put our hope in. But the reality is most won't. So we have to learn by the grace of God to live with that, not to put a limit on numbers, what God can do with the people. There's no limit, but the reality I say to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold to this teaching, who haven't known the deep things of Satan. See, there were some. There's always been some. Always will be some. Right down through the ages, right from the early church, right through all of those dark ages in Europe, uh, right through all the time of Reformation and all that kind of stuff. I, I, you need to dig into that to see what's true and what's right and what's good. All of those things, right through. There was always that in the, in the Old Testament. Uh, there was always that group of people who held to the truth of God and they went that way. They were not elitist people. They did not say, look at us, we're so good and so perfect. They were people who were humble and they were grateful to God for his, in the first instance, for his mercy, but then for his grace that equips us to be everything that we ought to be. And so it's a double-edged sword, and we came across the double-edged sword last time. It's a double-edged sword because what we have is great encouragement, but on the other side we see that it isn't actually for everybody. There is a dividing line. And the real church... The, the true church is that body of people who do not hold to these wrong ideas, who do not hold to the ungodly practices that are associated with the world outside. And then he says, look, this is what I've got in mind for you. Because you're victors, you've overcome. You're overcoming these things that are against God and his goodness and his purposes in salvation. And he says this, and this is, sounds a bit puzzling. I'll give him authority over the nations. And some people try to make a, a, an end of the world agenda in it. But really, what he's saying is this. You've overcome. You've proven yourself as faithful to me. The day is coming when there will be an absolute final division between good and evil. You'll stand with me with goodness. Because goodness will, must overcome evil. And it's expressed in the evil of this world. 
are people who will refuse to walk in the truth. And we will together shine like the brightness of the morning star. The truth and the goodness of God which prevails over all things. That is part of our home. But you've got to open your ears and you've got to listen. God wants us to understand things. He doesn't want us to be naive and just carry on life without thinking. He wants us to get a grasp of what's going on. He needs us to understand, and it's not an easy thing to understand what's going on in the church. But we can understand this. It gives us enough to help us so that we don't become despondent. I mean, even in these days, COVID has devastated probably most churches. It's more comfortable, it's easier to stay at home. Or we'll watch somebody on the telly, I'll see how long that lasts. But it sifts, it divides. It's not done yet. I mean, we, we still press on, we still hope that, that we can draw in people of like mind, people who love the truth, who want to live in the right way, to be overcomers, who will not tolerate these things that come against the true gospel and the church of Jesus Christ. That's how we want to be. And if that's uncomfortable, so be it. It's just the way it is. But God continues to speak to his people, to give encouragement, to give understanding, to give direction, and to draw a line. We must never ever tolerate things that will undermine the fullness of the truth of the gospel that will compromise the way we live the gospel. And that's really what the message of Thyatira is all about. Amen. Thank you for joining us. True Foundations is headed by David J. Jones, a preacher and teacher of the Word of God. His passion is to help individual Christians discover their true identity in Christ and to learn how grace operates in their lives. Currently residing in Canada, he is taught in both North America and the UK and has listeners all over the world. If you have questions about anything you've heard today, please email us at info at truefoundations.ca. Or for more information on True Foundations resources, please visit our website at truefoundations.ca.